0: Hi everyone, my name is Jonathan Fries, and You are listening to a special season of What the Flock. We have spent five seasons covering the topics that have caused so much damage. People don't come to church anymore. And now this season, our goal is to repair the Bible's reputation. And how we're going to do that is by taking specific Bible verses that have been abused Due to man-made tradition, and help you understand the ultimate answer for these verses. I am joined by the ever-teaching, ever-amazing Joel Swakowski. Hey, Joel. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan. This
1: is pretty exciting. I'm. Uh, lo- I love the Bible.
0: Yes. And uh, I- I'm glad we're going. I'm glad we're going down this direction, and yep. and uh, I'm excited for. Our listeners to hear what we have planned. I agree. This is a special season for sure. Let's do it. Now, I want to give a little disclaimer here. If you haven't listened to seasons one through five, we encourage you to do so. Everything we will discuss this season will be built on the foundation of the previous five seasons. So at the very least, we recommend listening to the episodes that are going to be referenced in this episode. Does that make sense, yeah, Pastor yeah, Joel? Yeah,
1: it does. Yeah, I, I, and I agree. And and remember, we've done seventy five episodes.
0: Yep.
1: And in those seventy five episodes, they repeatedly showed that every issue we covered has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer: the strict perspective and the loose perspective. So what we saw in those first five seasons is that the strict perspective initiates conflicts with God's word by saying that they know the correct interpretation for sure. Yet, when contradictions are exposed in what they're teaching, and what they believe, they rationalize reliance on man-made traditions in place of God's word. The biggest example is you're a sinner, and that although you can't earn your salvation by works, you better do works to prove your salvation. Sure. The loose perspective avoids conflict with God's word by saying we can't know anything for sure because there is no answer given or because it's beyond our understanding due to it being a paradox or too complex for our finite minds. We we love that one, right? Yes, the loose side's contradiction is that they still want to say they know for sure that you are wrong about what you
0: believe. Amazing. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, so we what we're doing here is we want to repair the Bible's reputation. So Joel, what is the verse or verses that we're going to be covering today?
1: Today, we're covering Luke chapter 1, verse 37 which says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible.
0: Okay. Well, in order to look at how this verse has damaged the reputation of the Bible, or in other words, how man has taken away from what God intended with this verse, what we've done is we have recorded messages from two of our most favorite callers from the first five seasons first the strict explanation is going to be given by the one and only apostle tater from mcmillan alabama let's hear it well yeah i I do have somewhat to say on the strict perspective you know god can do anything and this definitely will lead to a war explanation for God's nature. You know, if God can do anything, then why does he even let evil happen? Joel, how would you respond to the strict perspective?
1: Well, I would have people check out the God's nature episodes to see why God is right and just. You can look at season two, episodes one through six. We did an entire series. But I'd really emphasize this point simply is God can't do anything. There's things in the Bible that talk about him not being able to lie. Right. Also, God can't be unjust. And if God's eternal,
0: God can't cease to exist. I love that. Like when we talk about, you know, can God grow?
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: He cannot grow. Yeah. He's complete. Yeah. And next, the loose perspectives given by Pastor Rich from McMillan, Alabama. Let's hear what Pastor Rich has to say.
1: Yeah, so I uh, kind of want to hear about that that loose
0: side. I got you there for sure. Um, you know, when someone's worried about something, a person will quote this verse to essentially say, don't worry, have faith. Ooh, Joel, how would you respond to that loose perspective?
1: Well, I'd pitch our first five seasons again. I would have this person listen to the faith episode. Again, season two, this one, episode 11. And what you learn in that is that faith is a belief in something you can't see, either because it's invisible or it has yet to happen. Faith is built by experience or understanding. So using this verse the way that Pastor Rich did the way he has seen it be abused is actually the opposite of biblical faith.
0: Okay. With the strict side, then, people over there don't understand God's nature. Right. That's their issue. And then the loose side is that people don't understand faith. Right. So what steps should we take now to get the correct interpretation of this verse
1: yeah this is exciting stuff here so what we're going to be doing is using a five-step process for every passage of scripture we use this season oh man i gotta
0: write i gotta (laughs) write a ditty for this
1: (laughs) yeah oh for real yeah it'd be helpful to remember it so that yeah hopefully you know hopefully by the end of the season our listeners will have this memorized right
0: yes Or at least me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or yeah, at least me too. Fingers crossed, me. Will I have these steps memorized without having to look at my notes?
0: There you go. (laughs) We got a goal. We got our goal. Memorize
1: the steps. Well, step number one is what does the Bible actually say? And now what we're doing here is not only comparing and contrasting different translations or versions of the Bible, but we're checking to see is what, the person saying actually in the Bible. There's times people will say things that is in the word of God that the main number one issue is no, that's actually not in the Bible. Nice. Okay. Now, with this, we do see Luke 137, for with God, nothing shall be impossible, is in the Bible. But I do want to bring up one other version of the Bible that can help us understand or start the process of getting the right interpretation. So we've seen, for with God, nothing shall be impossible, is from the King James Version, which in my opinion is a very accurate translation. I want to just read one other version, and we're going to start immediately seeing a conflict here. From the American Standard Version, another very accurate translation, it says, same verse, for no word from God shall be void of power. That sounds completely different.
0: Completely different.
1: (laughs) Right? You're going from, for with God, nothing shall be impossible, to for no word from God shall be void of power. Wow. Now, so we know there's, there, clearly, th- this is great, right? Because we're immediately shown there's an issue with, with what the Bible says. So step number two, what does the original language say? So if you do some research, you use the concordances, the interlinear Bible or the dictionary, stuff like that, what you find out in the Greek the original language from the Gospel of Luke, the word nothing, if you do for with God, nothing shall be impossible. The word nothing is translated from the Greek word rhema. That's R-H-E-M-A, rhema. So let's get some more understanding here because what that word rhema is, is actually more often translated into the English word word okay so rhema is so if you look at the asv for no word from god shall be void of power that word word is translated from that same greek word rhema so there's three different greek words that are translated into the english word word in order to understand this verse, we need to understand the original languages as it relates to those different Greek words. So let me break it down. There's graphe. The Greek word graphe is is translated oftentimes as word, words, or scriptures, or writings. So graphe, the Greek word, means the written scriptures. I like to see this as uh, where the 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 word autograph comes from you write nice. your autograph yep grapha. it's the written word this nice. is knowledge this is a what the written word is what you read then there's logos l o g o s the greek word logos is the word that brings understanding so this is the why or the understanding when this word logos is used it is, and it's translated into the word word. That's why we're already seeing why it's so important to look at the original language. Because something as simple as the English word, word, can come from three different Greek words that mean different things. Nice. So we've seen graphe, we've seen logos, and then the third one is rhema. Rhema, used in the Greek, is often or more often than not translated into the English word, word. Rhema, Is the revelatory and spoken word from God that brings wisdom. This is the right how the wisdom. Really, Rhema is the spoken word from God that flows. Nice. What's that remind you of? Yeah, grace. Grace. Yeah. So this verse, Luke 137, being really being about Rhema or being about grace proves that this verse Luke 137 is really less about what God what is or isn't possible for God and it's more about when God brings a declaration when he states something it will not return void God's spoken word brings power and if you don't understand what power is power is simply the ability to make things happen mm. God's grace definitely makes things happen.
0: Oh, I'm thinking immediately of like creation.
1: Right. Let there be light. Boom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Things are being created. God's yeah. word has power. Power. Yeah. So this verse, Luke one thirty-seven, is more accurately translated with the American Standard Version that says no word from God shall be void of power. What's cool is after two steps... We can already see the benefit of looking at the original languages, regardless of what translation you use. There's debates over which ones are more accurate, which ones are the best to use. Well, I'll tell you, I just used the two most accurate translations, and we can still see that in the English, there is translation issues. We need to look at the original language no matter how accurate the translation is.
0: Oh, man.
1: When you're dealing with a translation, what's happening there is men, human beings, are getting their hands on the word of God. And when that happens, things also change.
0: Right. And not
1: for good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. So it's cool is, I mean, one of the things we talked about in season five, contradictions do not exist in reality. What these steps do is they slowly bring us through exposing and removing any contradictions that man has introduced into the Bible. This verse and the issue with this verse is relatively simple because we only needed to use the first two steps.
0: Amazing. Sounds like it's resolved, and all we have left is the ultimate answer. What's the ultimate answer, Joel?
1: The ultimate answer, well, the Bible may have conflicts in what is stated in the graphe. However, the Bible does not have contradictions in the why or the doctrine, the why or the how. In this passage, when you look at what the Bible actually teaches— And what the original language shows us, it really is about edifying the reader to have more faith in God due to understanding his nature and to understanding the benefit we receive when God speaks. God being right and just means he can't help but speak with power.
0: Thank you, Joel. This has been What the Flock. If you'd like a deeper study on this verse and how to deal with people who believe the man-made tradition perspectives, listen to the Music of Life Church podcast companion episodes. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.